Open your Bible to 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4 is in the Old Testament, right after the Samuels. We're finishing up our series on prepare the way. We want to prepare the way for God in our life. We want to prepare the way where God doesn't have any restriction in moving in our life in a supernatural way. We began by talking about the fact that Jesus said you have to make the tree good or make the tree evil. There is nothing about the body of Christ that is unclear. There's nothing about the scripture that is unclear about godliness. He calls us out of unrighteousness into righteousness. That doesn't mean that you are perfect. doesn't mean that you don't slip up. But it does mean that your effort your motive shifts when you become a Christian and you begin to move towards the things of God and away from the things of the devil. So you have to decide that I'm going to make my tree a tree that bears good fruit, that bears righteous fruit, that bears holy fruit and not some kind of a a, a, a double-minded tree. There's no such thing as a tree that gives apples on one side and oranges on the other. You're either a tree that's bearing good fruit or you're not. The second thing we talked about was breaking our box. And what we mean by that is whenever Mary broke her alabaster box and anointed Jesus, uh, we believe in Jesus' name that what she was doing is she was showing us that we ought to give everything we have to God. That means your time. That means your effort. That means your resources. That means you, you give your eyes to God. That means you don't watch everything you used to watch. You don't say everything you used to say. You don't have the same conversations you used to have. Every part of your life is for God. You're not withholding anything because his plans for you are better than you could have ever asked or thought on your own. So you give him your whole life that you might be able to access his plans, whereby preparing the way for God to move in your life. And then um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the idea of God inhabits the praises of his people. Not the complaining of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Not the complaining of his people. He's a good God. The minute you get that down in your spirit and you get your mind renewed by that truth, now all of a sudden the way is better prepared for God to move on your behalf because if you think he's the one that did the bad thing to you, how in the world can you have any peace about asking him to fix it? He didn't do anything to you. On the contrary, he's the one who meets you in the fire, loosens your bands, and walks around with you. He's the one who meets you in the belly of a fish and spits you out on dry land. He's the one who helps you to build a boat so you can take your whole family and be the best-looking family on planet Earth. He's the one who helps you in every single situation, but it's our responsibility to understand that he inhabits the praises of his people and not whenever we get oh ho hum and start complaining about it because the minute you get that in your mouth, all of a sudden you're out of faith and you're into other things, and now the devil is using you, or at least abusing you for a moment, in a place where you are now stuck in your backwards thinking instead of understanding he's a good God, worthy of praise, and inhabits the praise of his people. Amen? Second uh, Kings chapter number 4, verse 8. This is the Bible says is whenever there's a lady uh, that, that really helps a, a prophet named Elisha. The Bible says it fell on a day, meaning one day, Elisha passed to Shunem where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. She invited him to have dinner at her house. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread. Now, this proves a couple different things. Number one, the woman was obviously a great cook. But as I know, no preacher would go and eat bad food more than once. But she ended up cooking for him, and, and he ended up uh, enjoying it. So he would go by there, and he would stop by there whenever he was in town. And she said unto him, and or unto her husband, she said, Behold now, I said, Listen to me. I perceive this is a holy man of God, 
which passes us by continually. Meaning Elisha, was obvi- that was obviously the route that he went on, and, 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 and he would come by there. So she says, she goes, listen, I perceive this is a holy man. When you determine where you go to church and when you determine who you're going to follow, you need to have a lot of perception when it comes to ministers. You need to have a lot of perception. There are a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. You can turn the TV on at any time and you can find some great ministers. I'll name a few. Robert Morris, John Hagee, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen. These are good ministers. But at the same time, you can, you can turn the TV on and there's some other guys that are doing some other stuff. I'll name a few names. Just kidding. Y'all are fixing to take notes. Oh, bless God. There's some... You got to be perceptive. Always pray that God will give you a spirit of understanding, a word of wisdom. Always pray that God would increase the gifts on the inside of you, that you might understand when somebody has uh, uh, un, 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 I don't know how to, they have motives that aren't pure. This woman understood that Elisha, this guy's got pure motives. This guy's serious about the things of God. So she says to her husband, she says, look, man, the guy comes by here all the time, and I perceive that he's a holy man, which means there was something unusual about him. Maybe it's the way he walked, maybe it's the way he talked, but more likely than not, it's kind of a conglomeration of all of that. Because when you see a tree, the Bible says that you know that tree by its fruit. So you see what the tree bears, and then that identifies what kind of fruit it is. Now, you don't have to be an arborist to know these kind of things. My children can walk up to an apple tree and tell you what kind of tree it is if there's apples hanging off of it. But they can't walk up to a pine tree and tell you uh, whether or not it's a loblolly or, or some other kind of pine because it's not doesn't have any fruit on it that can be identified. But the minute that a tree bears fruit that can be identified, it identifies what the tree is. So this woman obviously recognized there's some fruit in Elisha's life that's identifying him as a holy man because that's how we know a tree. So she says to her husband, she says, let's make a little chamber. Let's build him a room. On the wall, let us set for him there a bed, a table, and a stool. And a candlestick, and it shall be when he comes, when he comes to us, when he comes to eat uh, uh, my chicken and dumplings, that he shall turn in here. So, so here's the deal. Number one, you got to make room for God in your life. And when you make room for God in your life, it's going to cost you something. You can't add on to your house without first going to Lowe's and buying some lumber. You can't add on to your house without first going to Lowe's and buying some wire for the electrical. You can't add on to your house without going and getting some roof for the shingles or whatever you need. It's going to cost you something to add on to your life that already seems busy as it is. But the Bible says that this woman took from their own resources and decided they were going to, they were so interested in the things of God that they were going to make room for the presence of God in their home. And not just room. The Bible says that they wanted the presence of God to be comfortable in their house. So they got him a bed that he could rest on. Elisha always represents the presence of God. So they got him a bed that he could rest on. So they wanted the, they wanted the presence of God to be comfortable in their home. They wanted the presence of God to be comfortable where, where they were. And they said, well, listen, let's not just do that. Let's get him a table that he can write on. Let's get him a, a candlestick so he can write at night. Let's get him a nice stool that he can sit on. Because they were interested in the presence of God residing in their household. Well, here's the scenario. In your house and in my house, we've got to build room for the presence of God. And we've got to do everything we can to make the presence of God comfortable in our life that we might prepare the way for him to move when the time is right. 
You cannot do everything you want to do and then ask God to do everything you want Him to do. You cannot uh, uh, cuss out the TV in front of your kids and then wonder why they cussed out their teacher. You cannot uh, listen to uh, uh, ACDC, unedited version, which if you like ACDC, I don't care, but, but an ACDC album with an unedited version, and, and then two seconds later flip on Amazing Grace and wonder why you're not vibrating with the anointing. Is ACDC still a band? The only, the only reason I remember them is because they got a song called Highway to Hell. And I always thought, that's got to be the worst song or the worst lyrics I've ever heard. It's probably got a good beat, if I had to guess. But it's the worst lyrics I've ever heard. But in your life, you've got to prepare a place for the presence of God. So the woman did that. They built a room for him, and, and he came by there all the time, and he would stop, and he would eat, and everything was going good. And then verse 10 says, It fell on a day that he came there, and he turned into the chamber uh, to, to take a nap, to lay down. And he said to Gehazi, which was a servant, Call the Shunammite. And when you called her, uh, and when he called her, she stood there. Verse 13, this is a conversation. He says to her, he says, Say now unto her, Gehazi, I talked to her. Uh, we've been careful, you've been careful with us to take care of us so well. What can be done for you? Would you like me to go talk to the king for you? Or would you like me to go talk to the captain of the host for you? And the Bible says that the woman answered and says, I dwell among my own people, which is to say, I'm quite comfortable where I am, but thank you. The Spirit of God has a plan for your life. The Spirit of God is constantly trying to get blessings into your life. And all the time, He's looking for a place that He can rest, that He can reside, that He can be, that He can stay, because there's a season coming in your life when the presence of God is going to show up at your doorstep and say, what can I do for you? Because you built a room for Him. Brother Pablo, are you in here this morning? Stand to your feet. Everybody turn around and look at Pablo. Pablo, wave at us. I just want to show you all a man that's 100% cancer-free by the power of God. Praise God. Over a year ago, the devil lied and said he was going to take his life. And we grabbed hands. That's my brother up there. And we began to pray as a church. And now, when was it? Uh, Monday? Monday morning, or Monday at the doctor, the doctor said, you are 100% cancer-free in Jesus' name. Thank you, brother. So the situation is, the kingdom of God begins to plan whenever you've made room for Him. So He says to her, she says, well, I really don't need anything. And 14 says, well, what can be done for her? And this is now a different conversation. This is Elisha talking to his servant Gehazi. And he says, Gehazi, what can we do for the lady? And he said, well, you know, she doesn't have any kids. Her husband's old. Interesting, he didn't say her husband acts old. That's another sermon. That her husband's old. Elisha said, well, soon enough, she'll have a baby. And the lady said, wait, 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 Elisha. Listen, I told you I don't need anything. I told you I don't want anything. If this promise is real, then I'm happy. But don't mess with me about it. You know that time, that real prayer? When you go, for real, God, I need you. For real, God, I can't do it. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. 
told you I'd never do that again, and I, I just I did it again. I told you I wouldn't say that again, and I said it again. For real, God, I need you. It was one of those kind of prayers. She said, don't mess with me. He says, it'll be. Just the way I said. And about a year later, she has a baby boy, and everything is great, and the baby boy is growing, and Elisha is still stopping by and eating chicken and dumplings, and everything's going good, and, and life is just grand for the Shunammite woman. And, she, and one day, the Bible says as the boy got older, he was out in the field working with his daddy. Side note, gentlemen, let's teach our children how to work. Let's teach our children that a lifestyle of effort is worth it. Do all things as unto the Lord. Take some time with them when they ask you what you do all day or whatever. Tell them, you know, teach them how to do things. Teach them how to, you know, uh, I find this one really interesting. And I've lived by it with my children. Now, my children are still young, but we live by it. From the first time I heard this, I said, my, my, my uncle was talking to my grandfather and he was in trouble. My grandfather was, my uncle was a kid. He was about 13, 14. He said, he said, he said, he said, you know, Dad, I just, I don't know why you're doing this to me and, and, and whatever. He said, you're hard to get along with. That's what he said to his daddy. Now, my grandfather was a pastor, but he was also a Marine and also a boxer. And he was humongous. So it wasn't the best thing to say in those days. But instead of going Marine, bo- Marine boxer mode, my grandfather, who was filled with him, said, son, I'm not raising you to get along with me. I'm raising you to get along without me. So the boy was out working with his daddy. And the Bible says that the boy started to get sick. And he said, Daddy, my head hurts. And Daddy did exactly what daddies do. He said, go tell your mom. So the little boy goes home. Says, Mom, my head hurts. Then he fell gravely sick. Laid in her lap and died. And sometimes that's how we feel. We feel like the promise of God that was spoken to us some years ago, months ago, or decades ago is laying dormant and dead in our lap and we don't know what to do with it and we don't know what to say, but the Shunammite woman knew exactly what to do. She called a servant. She said, servant, go get me a donkey, put a saddle on it because I'm about to ride that thing and I'm going to find Elisha because I told Elisha, don't you mess with me about a baby. She got on the donkey and she began to ride. And she's riding through the field where the husband is. And the husband comes to her and says, hey, where are you going? What am I going to eat for dinner? And she says, all is well. Can I remind you that her son is dead at the house? And the father, what he really asked is, is everything okay? And she said, all as well. And she told the servant, she said, don't you slow this donkey down uh, until, unless I absolutely tell you to, because I don't know how fast a donkey can run, but I want this donkey running as fast as it can. Run, 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 run. The Bible says that she gets near to a place called Mount Carmel. And Elisha, the great prophet, sees her coming. 
Elisha, the great prophet, sees her coming from afar and tells Gehazi, the one who talked to her before, says, go find out what's wrong with her. And she's riding her donkey. So she's sitting here. She's holding on to the saddle. She's got the reins. The servant's in front of her. Shrek's beside her. And they're just running and running and running. And all of a sudden, Gehazi gets there and stops her and says, is everything okay? And she stops the donkey for just a minute. And she says, all is well. Everything's fine, Gehazi. I'm going to see the man of God. And she goes and she rides and she gets to Elisha and she says, Elisha, you told me I'd have a son and I told you don't mess with me about this. And you said I'd have a son anyway. And now my son is laying dead in the house and you're the one who gave him to me. I need you to fix him. Elisha says, Gehazi, what did the woman say to you? Gehazi comes running up out of breath. He says, she told me all is well. And her husband said that she said, all is well. Point number two. Quit discussing your problems with people who cannot help you with your problems. Discussing your situation with people that cannot help you with your situation and discussing discussing with your situation with people that don't have faith to believe God with you about your situation is the breeding ground for doubt and unbelief. I do not need to talk doctrine with somebody that believes I evolved from a monkey. I got enough characteristics as it is. Come on, somebody. I don't need to discuss doctrine when I am sick with an atheist. I need to talk to Johnny who's going to pray the prayer of faith over my life. He's going to believe God about my situation and I'm going to have the results that Brother Pablo have. I'm going to be healed in the name of Jesus. This is what I need. Don't discuss your issues with people that can't help your situation. So she gets there, and Gehazi walks up, and Elisha goes, Okay, Gehazi, take my staff and go and touch the boy with it and see if that wakes him up. And he goes, and he takes the staff, and he touches the boy with it, and, and, and it doesn't work, but, 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 we, but we really don't know that yet because what happens is, is as, as Gehazi is walking off, Elisha says, Go with him, lady. She says, I'm not going anywhere without you, Elisha. Where you go, I go. James 1 and 22 says this. Be ye doers of the word of God and not hearers only. No doubt this woman knew that he was a holy man, that he was a godly man, and he was a preacher, and he came by all the time. So can't you just imagine them all sitting there eating their chicken and dumplings, and somebody says, Elisha, tell us about what God did in your life. And Elisha said, well, I really don't want to. Okay, I'll tell it, because all preachers like to tell stories. And he says, here's the deal. I'm just sitting there plowing with my 24 oxen, and everything's good, and I'm getting kind of dirty. And then this guy walks up and throws a jacket on me. My whole life changed. And I start to follow this guy and he says, he says, well, listen, he says, if you follow me, you can have whatever you want. I said, well, what I want, brother, is I want a double portion of what you're walking in. He said, well, the only way you'll get a double portion of what I'm walking in is if you see me when I leave this realm and I go into that realm. So I'm following Elijah around. And he's kind of peculiar. He, he's crazy. He's, he's all get out. He call fire from heaven. He tell the sun to stand still. Just all kind of crazy miracles. And as I'm walking with this guy, I have to wash his hand. I have to make his bed. I have to get a table for him. I have to get a stool for him. I have to get a candlestick for him. I got to make sure that he has a place to reside. 
And the Shunammite's going, okay, okay. This is years ago. Okay, so so what you should do if you want a double portion of the anointing of God is you should have a place for for the man of God, and you should have a you should have a table, and you should have a chair, and you should have a candlestick, and you should take care of him because the presence of God needs a place to rest. So she's sitting there and she's helping and she's understanding, and she becomes a doer of the word of God and not just a hearer only. So she's doing what she heard the man of God had done in his life, and she gotten and he gotten the results that she was looking for. So now she's trying to do the same thing, and he's sitting there and he goes and somebody says, "Well, well, Elisha, is that?" the most important thing when the guy threw the jacket on you goes no it's not the most important thing the most pivotal point in my life the most pivotal point in my life is whenever the man I followed told me to leave him but I remembered what he had said before He said to me that if I will see him leave this realm, go to the next realm, then and only then could I have the double portion of what I was looking for. So I said to him, I can see Elijah, maybe he stood up at the dinner table. Boom. So I said to him, where you go, I go. As you live, I'll follow you. The Shunammite woman's a lot like a lot of you right now. She's probably taking notes. Wang, 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 boom, boom, boom. Verse 30 says this, Elijah had told her, Elisha had told her, go away. And the mother of the child says, as the Lord liveth. I could see her holding her notes, saying, as the Lord lives. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I won't leave you. And it compelled Elisha to go to her house where her son lay dead. The Bible says that Elisha goes in there and raises that boy from the dead. Brings death new life. Brings affliction release. Number three. Be a doer of the Word of God. Be a doer of the Word of God. This book is not old-fashioned. It hasn't lost its power. Be a doer of the Word of God. If you don't know the whole book, do what you know. Be a doer of the Word. The Bible says that he raised the boy from the dead. When he did, she didn't grab him and run out to Mount Carmel. Say, let's climb the mountain. She didn't go outside and say, let's throw the football. She didn't do any of those things. The Bible says she fell down and worshiped. Number four. Forever and always. Be thankful. Don't forget to thank God. If you get married... Let me rephrase that. When we got married, my wife and I, I remember writing thank you notes because she didn't want to forget to give thanks. Why is it hard to remember to thank God? The giver of every good gift in whom 
there is no shadow of turning. No variable. See, he doesn't make any, he doesn't change at all. He's just a good God. But we forget to thank him. This is the easiest week in the world to be thankful. And I encourage you right now to let it be your best week of thanking God. Let it be the best week of your life to give thanks. Even thanksgiving, the word. You see, uh, giving is always uh, in the equation when true thankfulness shows up. The woman that we talked about earlier that broke her alabaster box, she was thankful for what God had delivered her from and what God had forgiven her of. And in that moment, in that time, the Bible says that she gave what she had. Joseph of Arimathea, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, doesn't get near as much press as I think he ought to. He's incredibly influential. Was able to get uh, audience with with Pontius Pilate on the most pivotal day in all of history when there was cra- whenever there was riots in the street and all kind of crazy things happening. Dead people coming out of tombs, the 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 sky went black. Rocks broke open. The veil in the temple was rent. Pontius Pilate probably had a lot on his plate that day. But somehow this guy named Joseph, not Jesus' daddy, not Jesus' stepdad who raised him, but, but Joseph of Arimathea, he had enough stroke to have a meeting with Pontius Pilate on that day. And he says to him, he says, Hey, can I have Jesus' body? Because I've got this tomb. It was for me and my family. Nobody's ever been there. Nobody's ever laid in it before. But I'd like to put Jesus in this tomb. I don't want Jesus, the king of the Jews. I don't want this guy who's meant so much to me to just be out there rotting on a hill. And the Sabbath is coming, so we got to take care of it pretty quick. Can I have his body? Pontius Pilate says, yeah. Here's the thing. Joseph was thankful for what Jesus had done in his life. He gave him a grave. A man named Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, knew the law better than any of us ever will. Got knocked off his donkey. Struck blind by the power of God. Healed by the power of God. He didn't give an alabaster box and he didn't give a grave. He gave the rest of his life to the God who saved him. All I can say to you today is we've got to be good at preparing the way for God. Number one, we've got to make room for him in our life. Number two, quit discussing your problems with people that cannot help you. Stop discussing your issues with people that will just bring you tissues. Be a doer of God's Word. This will change your life. And lastly, give thanks. True thankfulness always has some form of giving with it. Give thanks. Give thanks. Thank God. Thank God. Give thanks. Thank God. Don't stop. Give God thanks. Don't ever quit thanking God. Don't ever quit giving God praise. Don't ever quit thanking God. Because the minute you do, the minute you do, you don't know what will come out of your mouth. Stand to your feet if you would please.